Well, I mean, the biggest one for me was that, that I would just drink coffee all day. And then when I'd get hungry, I'd drink more coffee because coffee is the appetite suppressor of the appetite suppressors. Like <laughs> it's, it's the thing. And that's not a good thing because it turns out that your body actually uses food as fuel for survival. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's pretty amazing discovery I had. But uh, yeah, that was kind of the biggest factor for me was that I, I didn't eat all day and then I'd just eat at night when I was beyond starving and it was too late to drink coffee because I would be up all night, right? Um, and I think, like I said, this, like macro counting to me, it's like, it's like magic because if I said to you, Eric, I want to lose 10 pounds. Um, actually we call it releasing 10 pounds. That's what, uh, I think John Asraf talked about. I want to release 10 pounds and you'd say, okay, here is a macronutrient plan that's going to help you release 10 pounds. And if I stuck to that plan, it is a foolproof way to do that. And the crazy part is all you got to do is put in the work. That's it. That, that's the magic. All you got to do is put in the work. It's your fucking brain that gets involved and says, I want to eat a whole cheesecake, right? <laughs> that's the part that gets hard. And then you say, uh-oh, I'm going into my bad ways because I want to eat a whole cheesecake. And that means I'm bad. That means I've done something terrible. And that's where the mindset stuff comes in. So I found that when I was on track with tracking my macros and working towards my uh, macronutrient goals, that if Friday came along and I was like, I want to go for fried chicken at Ular, I didn't have any guilt, not one ounce of guilt or shame for going and enjoying that food. But if I was not tracking and not aware, not being conscious of what I was eating, I would get to Ular and every single bite I would take, I would feel that guilt and that shame of eating more than I should, quote unquote, eat. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And so that's one thing I wanted to, to talk a little bit about because when we we first started, um, when you and I were working together, we we did a couple of weeks of just kind of you know feeling things out more or less. Like we we didn't go anything crazy one way or the other into a deficit with your macros or super high or either way. Um, but at, once we did, we went into a deficit, and you started to learn a little bit about. Um, some of the things you could and couldn't have on your deficit weeks, but we jumped out of those on, you know, maintenance, quote unquote maintenance weeks where your calories were higher. Now I know that you're, there were days in there where you did not have, you know, just fruits and vegetables um, <laughs> with meat, all of your meals. Like you mixed in quote unquote bad foods other times, but I think at the end of the day, we can probably both agree that you had some fantastic results because you lost what around fifteen-ish pounds, fifteen to 20, twenty pounds, yeah. twenty pounds, um, yeah. through just tracking and sticking to foods that you like and enjoy, even if they aren't 
quote unquote good boots, right? So how did you yeah. do that and how did you manage that on both deficit weeks and regular weeks as well? Well, and this is actually really funny because I remember being on a deficit week and I text you and I used to, so I used, you know this, but I'm going to tell you, your people, um, I used to smoke and I used to drink, I used to smoke cigars and I used to drink, uh, wine and all these different things. And I, I say all these different things. Like I'm a, I don't know. <laughs> I used to drink wine and smoke cigars. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Um, anyways, I text you one night and I said, Eric, I want to smoke all the cigars and drink all the wine and I'm, I'm just going to fucking eat everything. And I don't even care this. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. And it was, my brain was getting involved and in saying that I wanted something. And you wrote back and said, and it was something kind of food. I can't remember what the food was. It was like chips or something. And you're like, okay, go ahead and have some. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, I actually don't even want it. Never mind. Like, <laughs> It it was almost like I just I needed to know that I could have it if I wanted to have it, mm -hmm. and just to have someone like say, yeah, go ahead, like put it in your in your macro counter and go ahead and have it. No, and it was so it's so bizarre to have that shift in your mind. It it is interesting because it's like a lot of people have this relationship with food that um, when they're stealing from the cookie jar that's when they go crazy because it's not quote-unquote allowed, it's not part of the diet, or it's not part of their regular day. But if someone says, hey, you can have that, you're like, oh, well, like it's, I actually didn't even want any cookies. I just kind of wanted to like to be a bit of a badass. You just took just, away the fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you took away all of the risk of this quote-unquote diet, so now I no longer really want to do that, which is why I yeah. think that you know macros is such a good principle for a lot of people. And, comes to food Absolutely. quality and now you talk about like me how much I mix in different foods I am not what they would call a clean eater by <laughs> any means I love me a Dairy Queen Blizzard I love me some cheesecake like I, I, I like I like all things that I enjoy tonight I ate kale I ate one bite and then I threw the rest in the fucking garbage because it was disgusting I don't like kale <laughs> And I reminded myself of that. Like there are things that no matter how clean or healthy it might be for you, if you don't like it, why are you eating it? There's always something else that you can substitute that in for. And that's what I loved about, about this macro counting as well is, you know, you just, the macros just got to fit. You just got to put the Tetris playing game together and fit the Tetris blocks where they fit and you're good to go. Um, now, I'm not saying that I ate Dairy Queen blizzards and whatever every day. That was not a thing. But I could if I wanted to, right? Like on the maintenance weeks, I really could if I wanted to because I had I had the macros to spare. But I found out that I love, I already knew, I love routine. I love having it already set and being organized in what I'm going to do for the week. So I would sit there and I would put my macros in for Monday to Friday knowing that I'm going to eat the same thing, kind of the same thing all week long or a variation of that, right? Like switching out your meats or switching out your, um, your carbs or whatever, like your rice or whatever. I knew if I put it all in that it was already there for me, I just 
go through the food and eat the stuff that I liked. And then on the weekends, maybe I would have like on a Friday or Saturday, maybe I'd have something special or a little bit more flavorful and then go back to my routine on Monday to Friday. And then during a maintenance week, maybe I'd throw a couple cookies from Kicking Horse in during the week. It's not that I ate kale, obviously, and chicken every day for how many months was that? May, June, July, August, September, October, six months. And I still dropped 20 pounds. If that's what your goal is, is to release weight. Um, I still dropped 20 pounds. It's not like a it's not like I didn't drop weight because I was eating blizzards once in a while, right? Yeah. And a whole cheesecake. One whole cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing the first time you brought that up because I remember that story. Um, one last question I kind of wanted to talk about before we move on to one of our, I guess, main topics, I guess, is um, what did you learn about yourself through nutrition and, and through macro counting, coaching, whatever you want to call it? Um, in regards to your relationship with food, but also just like about yourself and how you limit your foods or I guess not even limit your foods on a day-to-day basis. And where do you take that from here? Because we no longer work together and that's not, not, that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad relationship that we don't work together. I don't want to work with you. Sorry. Thanks, Eric. No. <laughs> I don't want to work with you the rest of your life. So how do you carry that forward? Like, what did you learn not only with our time together, but since about yourself with nutrition. Yeah. So it's interesting because once, you know, my, my health, getting a healthy relationship with food was my, my main goal. Um, and I always said, if that comes with weight loss, it's, that's not the worst thing because one of my other goals is to get better at gymnastics. And I don't know if you know how much easier it is to do pull-ups when you <laughs> dropped 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a lot easier. Uh, so, you know, there is times where I'm like, I can't get over this hump. I can't seem to get the pull-up that I want to get or, you know, do this movement that I want to do. And maybe if I had less weight, then I'd be able to do that movement, right? So after we stopped working together in October, I was able, I'm still very capable of doing maintenance, uh, a maintenance we'll call it maintenance diet, even though I don't like that, but maintenance eating. (laughs) Um, and I know exactly what I need to do in order to make that happen. Do I have to track on an everyday basis? Absolutely not. I do not track on an everyday basis because I've got it kind of etched in my brain, what I need to eat, when I need to eat it, how much I need to eat and what the variations of that, those foods are. And that's kind of the big takeaway for me because I think the end goal when you are doing macro counting is that and once you've learned that it's it's kind of just in the habit right and so there was a time in December where I got a little off track but knowing having those tools of of, you know, how many macros I should be eating or not should be eating, but could be eating if I wanted to do a deficit or maintain or, um, having those tools in my back pocket to pull out and be like, okay, if I want to get back on track, this is what I need to do. And that's what I've been doing. So if I, you know, I've lost another, um, I think like five pounds or something, seven pounds since October, not a whole bunch, but enough that it, it does make a difference when I'm talking about gymnastics movements, right? 
we all know that, that if you, if you ever hang on a bar, you know, that one pound is like a magic pound. <laughs> um, so, you know, just having those tools and knowing when I need to pull them out and when I need to use them. And I am very much about self-discovery and learning who I am as a person. And so learning that, no, I don't want to eat kale. Yes, I do want to eat cheese. Um, you know, alcohol was a big one for me that when we started working together, I decided that I was going to cut out alcohol because I've never been a big drinker, but in a social situation, I would always have a drink. I don't even like alcohol. <laughs> like I, I really don't. But, um, actually, uh, Dr. Donna MacArthur, she was the one who challenged me to take a look at my relationship with alcohol, not because I had a bad one, but just because it was like, just take a look at it and see what you see. And what I saw was that I was sitting in these social situations where I wanted wine or where I wanted alcohol and I don't even like it where I could have a bubbly water and that curb the same craving. Uh, so things like that, where it was like, and it's not worth the macros for me. I would rather have food in my body than having alcohol, um, to fit those macros. Right. Just stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. And I think that's something that like, it's very easy for me to see being that we worked together as long as we did. Um, but I think it's a lot of good take-home stuff for people who might be listening to this. So let's move on to the other thing I know we wanted to talk a lot about um, is parenting. Um, but not only parenting, mm -hmm. but parenting and, and its its marriage with nutrition. Um, I think that that's where a lot of our problems as a society get born out of, is these bad relationships with food that are instilled with us when we're kids, and then we carry forward with them into adulthood until we get to the point where we have to spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on fixing our health, either in the gym setting or <clears throat> to the point where we have to fix it because we have diabetes or other metabolic diseases that are causing us a lot of problems. So how do you, as a mom, talk to your kids about nutrition? Um, but not only that, when it came to tracking macros, how did you juggle that relationship with them? Yeah, this uh, we were just having this conversation the other day, actually, a few moms and I. Um, <coughs> I I was going to talk about the fact that my husband works away and the challenging part for that in regards to nutrition is that I don't cook when he's not here because I'm not cooking for one. It makes it very challenging for me to want to make all the dirty dishes when I'm just cooking for myself. And having little kids at the time, having little kids you know, like they didn't care. All they would want to have is pasta or whatever, something easy. Uh, so that was another reason why I struggled is because I didn't have to cook for him. So, you know, it, I'm not dirty in all the dishes. But when I started cooking for myself, it really, I became woke <laughs> to the fact that I wasn't feeding my children properly. Um, I was definitely not giving them the nutrients that their little bodies needed. And I feel sad for that. I feel bad for that even now, but I am happy that, you know, over the past three years I have turned it around or four years, I've turned it around immensely for them. Um, we also have an international student this year and he's a teenage boy. So there's that. And now I have no food because <laughs> we're always eating. Um, but you know, the kids would see me with 
you know, uh, 30 grams of cheese, mozzarella cheese, because that was a serving. And I didn't want them to ever think that mom's on a diet because the diet culture is strong enough already in our media and they're going to get that. They're going to get it as it is, especially my daughter. I have a boy and a girl. And so I never wanted that. So I've never spoke openly about uh, the reasons that I would, you know, take less of something or uh, call it dieting because I don't want to put that stigma in their brains. But what I have done is I've, I've said to them, I'm going to take a serving. I tell them when we eat ice cream, you can have a serving of ice cream for dessert. Uh, when we take, you know, rice or, um, whatever it might be, we're having a serving and I try to really, really encourage them to make it a positive thing about eating a serving of amount of food. Does that make sense? Instead of like, don't eat too much of that. 100%. It's eat a serving of that because I don't want to limit them. And so I do want to limit them when they're trying to eat my 30 grams of cheese though. Like, you know, you cut <laughs> up the cheese and then they're like, can I have some? And you're like, no, beat it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so it, it can be challenging if you make it challenging. Otherwise, if you just go with the flow and let, let it happen, it, it kind of just works out. So, for example, if we're having dinner and I've made chicken, rice, and broccoli. I know that sounds like terribly boring. Let's change that. I've made steak, sweet potato, and uh, broccoli. And the girl doesn't eat meat all so much. So I will always have to say to her, you need to eat a protein. If you're not going to eat steak, you have to go find something for protein. I'm not cooking you something, but you have to find something. So she'll go in the fridge and she'll pull out Greek yogurt or cottage cheese or hard-boiled egg or whatever it might be, and she'll eat that. My daughter is seven. My seven-year-old daughter knows, this is a proud mom moment, my seven-year-old daughter knows when I ask her to go get a protein from the fridge, she pulls out a cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, or hard-boiled egg, or whatever it might be. That's awesome. That makes me proud to know that. Um, my son, he doesn't like, uh, there's so many random things he doesn't like, but whatever it is that he doesn't like, say he doesn't want to have broccoli that night, I'll say, okay, but you don't have to have the broccoli, because I mean, let's be honest, I'll eat it for meals for the next three days if they don't eat it <laughs> and I don't have to cook. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, I'll say you don't have to have broccoli, but you have to have a serving of vegetables. So he'll go in the fridge and he'll find, he'll grab a piece of celery or a carrot and just eat that. Right. I don't care if they're not eating my cooked broccoli. What the hell does it matter if they're eating cooked broccoli or a carrot or a piece of celery or whatever it is, at least they're getting a vegetable in their body, you know? Yep. So just not pushing it, not pushing the limit of you have to have this or you have to have that. But also there's that fine line of I'm not cooking you a separate meal either. Mm -hmm. I already don't is. like cooking. Yep. I already don't like cooking, right? <clears throat> so I don't go and cook things that I know that they're not going to eat any of it. I mean, I always incorporate something that they're going to eat. So if I'm going to cook pasta that night, I don't typically do pasta, not because it's car uh, carb dense, but I don't like it. I, I only like certain kinds, but they love pasta. So quite often I'll cook that for them and then I'll make myself a sweet potato because they don't like sweet potato and I love sweet potato. But once again, sweet potato is something that 
I can carry on through the entire week using it in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, not cooking a separate meal for them, but giving them the option if they don't want to have steak that they can go get something out of the fridge that's going to give them protein. Absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things I think that for me as a kid carrying on was thinking that certain foods were going to make me fat um, or skinny or whatever, or certain foods are going to do X, Y, or Z, pick whatever you want. How do you handle that dichotomy with your kids of what a good food is versus a bad food? Do you call them that? Um, do you call things junk foods? Do you like? How do you handle that with your kids? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm very, very cautious of that as well um, because, like I said, I don't want to put that. I, I don't want to make it a big deal. There's, there's two parts of it, right? You don't want to, you don't want to make it a big deal and make them conscious, like self-conscious about what they're eating. But you also want them to make healthy choices. And so that's exactly what we call them, is healthy choices. I'll say, um, they'll say, can I have a bedtime snack? Absolutely, go pick a healthy choice. And they know what a healthy choice is because I've told them what the healthy choices are. Now, if they said, uh, can we have ice cream? And it was like after a sporting event or, or a music thing or something that it's like, yeah, absolutely, we can go have that. I never say we can't have that because that's going to make you fat. That's not like that sentence actually hurt me to just say because <laughs> the word we don't use the word fat in the house. Kind of hurt my um, ears a little bit. Right? It hurts. It's not. It's not a good sentence, and we just don't we just don't use that kind of language in in the house ever. So it's never really a problem whether foods are healthy choices or not healthy choices. Last night, <laughs> this is not probably the best thing to tell you, but I'm going to say it anyways. Last night, <laughs> I didn't want to cook dinner. And uh, we had, uh, we went out snowshoeing all day and, and we come back and had a snack kind of late in the afternoon. And so nobody was really hungry, but you know, you got to eat something. And so when I was at the grocery store, they begged me to buy them alphabets all <laughs> the time, all the time. And they were on sale. And so I brought them home. And the reason why we don't buy them at the store, it, the words I tell them is because I'd rather you choose a healthier choice. Okay, that's, that's what I tell them. So they know that it's not the healthiest choice and that there's better options. But they still beg every time because that's what kids do. And so last night I finally bought them. And I brought them home and I set them on the table and I said, all right, kids, today is your day. I brought you home alphabets. And they were like in awe that I bought alphabets. And I said, and I want to remind you that there is absolutely zero nutritional value <laughs> in this box of cereal. So I would encourage you to make a healthy choice to go along with this cereal. And all three of them ate the alphabets and uh, grabbed a carrot, I don't know what the, some kind of vegetable out of the fridge. And that was their dinner. And I don't even fucking care. Like <laughs> it's one night. It's not like we do it all the time. And just like when I asked you that day that I wanted to drink and smoke and eat all the food and you were like, okay, go ahead. It's one time. It's not like I'm asking them to, or telling them they can eat shit food with zero nutritional value all the time. But I really, really encourage the fact that, you know, or, or enhance the fact that they were eating something that had zero nutritional value. Not calling it a bad food, I'm just saying 
there's nothing nutritional in it. Does that make sense? 100%. And like there's, there are plenty of times in our lives where we're going to sit down for a meal or a dessert um, with the full-on understanding that it has zero nutritional value. And yet Pop-tarts. It, and, <laughs> and yet it is still the right decision anyways. Because, like, let's be honest, if we're sitting down for birthday cake and shoveling it, shoveling it in our mouths, are we sitting here because that's the best nutritional decision? Hell no. It's the best no, decision it's because it's the celebration of what we just did or the or you celebrating a birthday. For you that day, it was a celebration of, like, we, like, for the kids, we won. We got, we got alphabets and, like, and a long yeah. day of snowshoeing, like, at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. Like you had one moment where you kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna just take this, enjoy it, move on." It's not like you continued after that moment of like indulging in that happy that happiness mode for your kids and just giving them the yeah. same thing over and over again and filling the house with alphabets every day. Yeah, exactly. And and I do believe that like. And am I a rock star parent? Absolutely not. Do I try my hardest? Most of the time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I am trying my best. And I feel like I do provide a healthy lifestyle for them. And I think that it, providing a healthy lifestyle means giving them those special treats. Because it teaches them to deal with that as well. Because if you raise your child to never eat Dairy Queen blizzards. I'm picking on Dairy Queen blizzards because they're so damn good. Um, if you teach them that those are bad, you should never eat a Dairy Queen blizzard. That's a bad food. Your kid's going to grow up wanting that fucking blizzard their entire life. And guess what's going to happen when they become an adult? They're going to eat all the Dairy Queen blizzards. They're going to try all the food that you never let them try. And you know what? They might not even like it. They might not even want to have it again. And I'm not saying that you have to take them out and buy them every single thing they want just to try them. But making them only ever eat healthy food, it's not, it's not fun to me. It's not, there's no, there's no fun in that. And I want to provide a fun, healthy lifestyle for my kids. Exactly. There's, there's ways to go about it where you're not feeding them ice cream and chocolate syrup for dinner every day, but you're still able to get some of those things and some of those enjoyable experiences in their lives before they turn 18, head off to college, and then are just walking to McDonald's and feeding themselves lunch every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty much everything I had uh, for you, Bailey. But I had one last question uh, that I'd like to ask people to finish things off. And that is nope. the refocus question. What is the thing, um, the one thing, if you could, that you would say that most people should refocus their lifestyle on um, to better improve it, whether it's nutrition, mental, anything that you want. You want people to refocus on themselves on so they can improve their lives. 100% self-discovery. 100% self-discovery. And if you don't know what self-discovery is, then you need it more than anybody else. Um, learning who you are as a person what you like, what you don't like, um, you know, the people you want to hang around, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, learning about yourself is going to take you further than anything else in life. 
100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that answer more. Um, that's obviously a lot of the reason why you and I are still good friends even after the fact that you don't work with me anymore. Um, like we, we follow along on the same path and I'm glad that is the case and I'm sure that we're going to continue that as I get into my gray years um, in, in the future, which is like just around the corner for most people that know Just me. around the corner. Um, but yeah, that's awesome, Bailey. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. You have like, I mean, your Facebook account is pretty cool too, but like your Instagram account, mostly for your stories is like pretty awesome as well. And you post a lot of really funny and engaging content there. So tell people where they can follow you um, so that they can see you, search out for you. I guess you're also very engaging on social media. So probably I would say DM you and talk to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone is, anyone is welcome to message me at any time. And if they have questions about anything that we've talked about or whatever, I'm very, very open, very open. Um, I am on Instagram. Good to know. Thank you for letting me know that you follow my (laughs) social media story. Uh, my Instagram story. I think I'm funny. Um, (laughs) other people might not think I'm funny. (laughs) So if you like profanities and weightlifting, um, that's where you want to follow me on Instagram. And, uh, that's just, uh, Bailey Yates, I think. Yeah. Bailey Yates. And then that's Y E A T S. And on Facebook, it's not as active as it used to be, uh, but it's, it's there and we do lots of personal development stuff on there and that's facebook.com slash I am Bailey Yates. Um, yeah, you're, they're welcome to follow me there as well. And like I said, reach out at any time if you want to talk more about anything or just, yeah, hang out on, on the social media. Awesome. Yeah. I think that we're definitely going to have to have you back on again. There's like, we're just tipping the iceberg, uh, on kind of some of the stuff that you can do, especially with personal development on your side of things. Um, so yeah, let's definitely try to have you on again, but for now we'll let you go. Uh, and yeah, guys, that's, that's another episode, uh, this week with Bailey, Bailey Yeats, Bailey Yates. Um, and we'll catch you again next week. Take care guys. 